0: Okay, good morning, a little bit different format. Today we'll be in Mark chapter 1, we're starting right in with teaching, hopefully next week we'll be right back to normal, regular format. Uh, Last week we looked at the baptism of Jesus Christ and his temptation in the wilderness, and it ended in uh, in verse 13. So I'm going to read chapter 1 of Mark, starting in the 14th verse, and I'll read right through the 39th verse, and that will be our uh, our portion today. Let's pray. Father, as we look to your word, we pray that you would uh, give me clarity of speech, clarity of mind, give us hearing hearts, Lord, uh, speak to us, um, challenge us, thrill us, whatever you want to do, however you want to bless us, Lord, we pray uh, that you would indeed bless us and that your fame would be shed abroad Throughout uh, this region and throughout uh, the uttermost corners of the earth. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, now, verse 14. Now, after that, John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther thence, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship, with the hired servants, and went after him. And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, and come out of him. When the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, They entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. And at even, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils, and all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils. And suffered not the devils to speak, because they knew him. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth, and he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee, and cast out devils. Okay, now, the last time we left him, he was in the wilderness, and he was being ministered. Uh, Angels were ministering unto him. Now, it skips. Fast forward. Now, after John was put in prison... We know that John, from other scriptures, was put in prison because he came head-to-head with the authorities. Um, Will that happen in America? I'm not a prophet, I'm not the son of a prophet, but I can read the handwriting on the wall. It's only a matter of time before we come head-to-head with the authorities, and we've seen much, and I could go on, but I mean... Ostensibly, you read the news and you understand what's going on. People are f- being fined for uh, opening their church when the government official said, you shall not, and to the tunes of uh, millions of dollars. Um, you know, it's against the law for me to say to a gay couple, I'm not going to marry you. Do we expect to see uh, persecution of the Church of Jesus Christ in America in these days. Well, the trajectory says more and more and more. People say, well, the pendulum will swing the other way, not fast enough, and the pendulum never comes back. It's, once it starts swinging this way, it never comes back all the way. You know what I mean? It, it, I, 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 I'm, I have less faith in pendulum theory. <laughs> I have I, I've seen things change in my life permanently, some for the good, most things not for the good. Um, John was put in prison because he told uh, Herod that he ought not to have his brother's wife. When you speak out on behalf of Jesus Christ, on behalf of righteousness, expect persecution. The Bible says, yea, all that would live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. What happens to the message? It just, it keeps going. Uh, John's thrown in prison and Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Persecution never wipes out the gospel message. I think it enhances it. I think what the Church of Jesus Christ needs, and I say this, knowing what I'm saying, the Church of Jesus Christ in America needs a good, healthy dose of persecution to separate out he also runs from the real. And brace for impact. Figure it out. All that would live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. In Matthew, as we've been reading in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. For my sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Um, So Jesus takes up the mantle. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Are those two things, two separate things? I think that you need to repent, to turn from your wickedness, to believe that what God said about sin is true. And I I think you need to... I'm sure you need to believe the gospel. I've talked with people even recently. Well, the Bible tells you basically what kind of person you ought to be. And as a methodology for going to heaven, if you affect these postures, you do these things, you abstain from these things. No, no, no. Believe the gospel is the message of salvation. Now, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew's brother casting a net in the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said to them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. I think this is very important for us to consider this morning. Uh, We are not naturally fishers of men. As we follow him, we become fishers of men. Following Jesus, I think, is becoming. What do you mean? You remember when we're in the book of the Revelation, he's talking to a church, and it's uh, Pergamos, and it starts in verse 12, but in verse 17 he says to this church, Heathen Athenea, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches, Him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. The name has to do with, I believe, your calling. Nobody knows why they're here on earth outside of knowing Jesus Christ. That's my contention. Prove me wrong. Well, I'm here to do this. How do you know that? The exact opposite could be just as true. I talk to people frequently. Well, I believe that people are here to love one another. I believe that people are here to and fill in the blank. But if you start from your own assumptions, the exact opposite could be true. I think that we're here to love people. No, I think uh, we're here to hate people. I'm just as right as you are. Uh, you you haven't anchored your belief to anything. So that what you're saying could be true. It could be partially true. It could be mostly false. It could be absolutely false. As your feet are firmly planted in midair, And so people come up with this, and starting from themselves, observational, I think, you know, you got to look after number one. I think you have to take care of yourself. Nobody else is going to take care of you. I think you have to, you know, get while well, the getting's good. I think he who dies with the most toys wins. And you see how, no, I think we should treat people like you'd like to be treated. Well, I think we should, and it's all just a collection of, Uh, sayings, and some of them will fit on a bumper sticker, and some of them are thoughtful, and some of them are not, and some of them are clever or pithy, but I think we have to follow Jesus. I think we have to come after him, and he will make us. And I think that's what that white stone with the new name is all about. This is what I've created you for. Outside of salvation, Jesus Christ, and collecting that white stone, we'll never know what we were here for. Now put that on the back burner of your mind. We'll visit that later on. If we follow Jesus, we find the purpose of what we're all about. We find the meaning of life. And one of the things that he wants us primarily to be about is his Father's work. His Father's all about collecting people. The only thing that God gets out of creation and redemption is a family. And we see in 4 and 5 in Revelation that, that family is of every tribe and kindred and tongue. And he, he collects together people who will love him. He loves everybody. For the most part, his love is unrequited. And straightway they followed, uh, forsook their nets and followed him. Would to God that we all had that reckless abandonment of our own pursuits. I think our own pursuits is what gets us in trouble. And when he had gone a little farther thence, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother. And they were also in the ship mending their nets. Straightway he called them. They left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. Peter and Andrew's shipping concern, it might just be them. There may or may not be others involved. But James and John, had they're working for their dad. They were hired servants. This is a a business, okay? And they walked away from that. I think people walk away from their business when they follow Jesus sometimes. Sometimes Jesus calls us into business. Sometimes he... You know, let him do with us as he will. I always say, let, you know, the master chess player move the chess pieces over the board as he sees fit. You say he's gonna manipulate me like some pawn. Yeah. But if you look at it that way, that's like, oh, that's dreadful. No. You've got to remember, our loving Heavenly Father seeks what's best for us and seeks our blessing. And he who puts us together and knows us at an atomic level and put our DNA in place understands how we work and what would benefit us the most. Again, our own devices and our own plans, especially when they're butting heads with what he would have for us. That's that's all the heartburn, that's all the headache, that's all the drama and trauma. Straightway he called them. And they they followed. They went after him. Okay, so now he's collecting disciples up to this point. He has four that we know about. And they went into Capernaum. Okay? Straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and he taught. Okay, it's the Sabbath. They go into synagogue. Jesus and the boys would be very comfortable doing this. They've always done that. With Sabbath... Uh, 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 did they go every Saturday? Did they go every Sabbath? Was it like a mandatory thing? was it I think it was something that they liked to do. I think it was something that they wanted to do. I think you know there's nowhere in the Bible says on the Sabbath go to synagogue but it was the it was the heartbeat of the community. It was where god was they learned about God you got to remember they don't all have a copy of the uh the the Old Testament, you know, uh, the Torah, you know, they don't, they, don't, they don't have that. So if they're going to hear the Word of God, it's they have to go and they have to hear the Word of God. they, uh, You know, it would be a place of worship, a place of prayer, a place of community, a place of fellowship. So they were very familiar with that. And this is not a typical uh, synagogue service on the Sabbath. This is going to be anything but. So he's teaching, and they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. We've been studying, last few weeks, the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you've heard it said, but I say. Well, wait a second. You've heard it said. That came from Sinai. You know, you've heard it said, do no murder. That came from, what do you mean heard it said? You make it sound like, you know it was on the gossip vine well he's not belittling what came he'd already said you think i've come to uh you know uh put down the prophets and the law i haven't come to get rid of the law i've came to uh, i've come to fulfill the law he's not saying okay everyone it's okay now murder's okay he's not saying okay everybody adultery's okay now he's not saying that as a matter of fact he takes murder and adultery that are at this level and puts them up way past anyone's ability to reach. Because you all we've all heard some he said, I've never killed anyone, I've never, I've never cheated on my spouse. Well he just made murderers and adulterers out of all of us. He says, I'm not I'm not saying not only do I not want you to kill, I don't want you to be angry with your brother without a cause. Uh and so he takes that bar and again he raises it way, way up here. I don't know anyone who will tell me I won't pass straight face test. I've never been mad at anybody. That's ridiculous. Uh, He takes adultery, and he's not trying to get rid of adultery. He says, if you've even lusted in your heart after a woman, you've committed adultery in your heart. And again... Uh, he, he teaches one that has authority. Why? Because he's the one, it was his finger that inscribed the Ten Commandments on those tablets of stone that Moses brought down uh, the, the Mount Sinai with him. He did that. And now he's saying, let me explain it. I, I, okay, I wrote that. Let me explain it a little further because I don't think you got it. And he's teaching as one that has authority. Does he have authority? Does God have authority to make rules? That's the big question in 2021 as we ponder. Who You're not the boss of me, and God's saying, I absolutely am. You don't have to follow what I say, but there's consequences for not believing what I tell you to believe. And you'll find out those consequences. And he's written them all out. And we read about them over and over and over again in the book of the Revelation. There's consequences for belief or for lack thereof. And Jesus said so. Does he have authority? Do you remember the verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Yes, he has authority. He can make up rules on the fly. His rules aren't arbitrary. They tell us his nature. The reason stealing is wrong is because God would never take what he's given to us. The reason that um, uh, adultery is wrong, because Jesus would never two-time us. You see, you see what I'm saying? The, the, he's, he's giving somewhat of his nature. He's telling us how he is through the law. Uh, but let's move on. Okay, he he's he taught them as one that had authority and not as a scribe. So here they are. In Capernaum, by the way, the the, the foundation of that, that synagogue is still, it's a place they'll take, if you go to Israel, I'm told they'll take you to that and show you right in Capernaum where that synagogue was. And they figure Peter's house, because of inscriptions that they found there, and it's like <laughs> literally a stone's throw. It's not even as long as this church Uh he, he, he could walk to synagogue easily on the Sabbath day and not go you know, more than a Sabbath day's journey. Uh, they're astonished at his doctrine. He taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. 41 years of following Jesus, 41 years of reach. I'm still astonished at his doctrine. Anyway, that's a story for another time. There was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Could there be... A man with an unclean spirit in a synagogue? <laughs> there is! <laughs> Could there be a man in an unclean spirit in church on Sunday? They're not likely to congregate here, but the answer is yes. Is that a problem? Well, not for Jesus. So the man with an unclean spirit, he cried out, so he's being disruptive, okay? Well, we got to call the cops. we got to have them removed. <laughs> Not at all, Jesus says. Now, they, they record what he says. The, un, the man with the unclean spirit is saying, and the unclean spirit is using his vocal cords to say, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Is that right? Is he Jesus from Nazareth? Yes, he is. Art thou come to destroy us? The demon knows that Jesus has the authority to destroy him. I love that. And as it said, my dad can lick their dad anytime. Okay? Uh, you know, we talk about this and we've talked about this. I'm again this big battle list. Jesus comes back. Is there a shot fired? That's arguable. He comes, he grabs the false prophet and the beast herds him off to the lake of fire. Uh, an angel collects Satan, binds him with a chain for a thousand years. What battle? We don't, there's, you know, you can't read the battle of Armageddon, that phrase, anywhere in Scripture. Is this this big clandestine clash of the titans? No, there's God, the creator, and the created. Here's the Creator. I know who thou art, the Holy One of God. I know that you can destroy us. And he's freaking out. Jesus rebuked him, saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. Later on in Mark chapter, I think it's chapter 4, he'll rebuke the storm the same way. Hold thy peace literally means be muzzled. Or you and I would say, shut up. Now, shut up in my house is a disrespectful term. If I told my wife to shut up, she would be angry with me, and rightfully so. If she told me to shut up, I, don't, I wouldn't like that. It wouldn't bless me. I'd think that was disrespectful. Is Jesus being disrespectful to this demon? Yeah. <laughs> so? You know, hey, shut up and get out. Is he yelling it? Because I'm saying it a little loud. He's just saying, shut up, get out. Very calmly, very matter-of-factly. Don't know. Wasn't there. We ascribe, you know, these things. And use your sanctified imagination. Put yourself there. You're freaking out because this guy, Aah! and we're like, Aah! you know, everyone, are they, are they getting to the door in a hurry? Are they, like, super freaked out? Because even among Christians, satanic things very often freak us out. Should they? No. We're not told, in one verse ever, to be afraid of Satan. He is an adversary. He is like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Are we told to fear him? No, we're told to fear God. Now, I've got to tell you something about, about this, whole, this whole thing here. When the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. Jesus says, get out, he, cr- he gets out. They were all amazed in so much as they questioned among themselves, saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. We'd say it this way. What was that all about? He says, shut up, get out. He got out. Well, he didn't shut up immediately. He shut up after a while. <laughs> after the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, then he shut up. He came out of him. They're thinking, we never seen this stuff. This is this is new. This is different. They knew demon possession. It was kind of like it's done now in certain circles of the church. It's a big power play. It was a big, wouldn't you like the opportunity? Wouldn't you like the power, the authority to command unclean spirits and have them obey you? Well, guess what? You do. Many places in Scripture. um, The God of Peace shall shortly put Satan under your feet. uh, Romans chapter 16. He sends out the seventy, and they go to all the places he's going to preach, and they come back saying, even demons were uh, subject to us in your name. He's like, yeah, I saw heaven. I saw Satan fall like heaven from light, fall from heaven like lightning. Don't rejoice over that. Rejoice that your name's in the book of life. You know, in Psalm 91, one of my favorite psalms, I'll look at it right quick, if I can find it right quick. I didn't put a bookmark there, 86, 88. Psalm 91. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Again, it's underfoot. Why is that? Um, you, why are you going to tread upon a lion? Because that's a symbol of Satan. Why are you going to tread upon the adder? Because that's another symbol of Satan. He's like a roaring lion. He's a nasty snake. The young lion, the dragon, shalt thou trample underfoot. foot. God has given us this authority. God forbid that we should refrain from using it. The unclean spirits, they do obey him. And us. Don't Be listening to Satan. Don't let him put fear on you. I I say this all the time. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. You'll figure it out eventually, I hope. If it's not from God, it's from Satan. You don't have to be afraid. And I've said before, and I've said wrong, by the way, the opposite of fear is faith. Say, that sounds right. The opposite of fear is love. Perfect love casteth out fear. That's what Scripture says. Once we understand who Daddy is and how much He loves us, we become that place of 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Nothing comes to us that's not Father filtered. What's, what are you nerved up about? I don't know that you know what it is to be a loving Heavenly Father then, or a loving Father. Um, once you understand that, immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region, round about Galilee. And forthwith, when they would come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew. Simon and Andrew lived together? Well, maybe, I think they're from Bethsaida. Uh, Maybe this is just to have a place where they stay, you know, for the fishing season. And with their family, apparently, because Simon's wife is there and Simon's wife's mother. Is it okay uh, that uh, Simon's is is he? It's okay. That his mother-in-law comes to live with them. I think it is. They they enter the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John, so they got at least four plus Jesus is five, right? And Simon's wife. Oh, if, hey, you brought all these people home. I haven't had a chance to clean. Oh, she's got nothing prepared. or oh. <laughs> none of that. We don't know, right? Is this okay? Uh, uh, you know, bringing the boys home after. Uh, hey you got to, you gotta see what happened in synagogue today. It was crazy uh Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, non they tell him of her when somebody's sick, bring' them to Jesus, tell Jesus about it. We call it prayer uh when I first read this and I read it in the Gospel of Matthew, it's in there, and I found out that our first pope Peter was married it was a real revelation to me. And the only reason I mention it is because the Bible says that the spirit of truth will lead you into all truth. I stopped thinking about, in short order, things like popes and, uh, you know, celibacy among clergy and things of that nature. But It was just, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. And the Bible tells us little here, little there, here, little there, little line upon line, precept upon precept. That's how we do it. And you don't know everything the first month you get saved. But I will tell you this, God can take you from neophyte to wizened, seasoned saint in a very short time if you open yourself to him and let the Spirit of God lead you. Uh, So she's got this great fever, Dr. Luke tells us in his gospel, and he would be concerned with that. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Immediately the fever left her and she ministered unto them. She as soon as the fever, now you know, because I know a few people have a fever. It takes you a day or two to get straightened around, get back on your feet. You know, when Jesus heals, he heals somebody who is crippled from birth. and Yeah, the word is crippled in the Old Testament. We don't have handicapped, okay? And they've never walked, or they've never seen. And they need physical therapy for weeks and months, and the muscles have to learn how to... How, wouldn't you, if you never walked, have to learn how to walk? Not when Jesus is that's why I'm saying he'll take he's miraculous. You know, you got it takes forty-one years to know what I know. Or well, forty-one months or weeks or days when God's drive, and he'll get because of the I think the the hour that we're living in, he will take a young man and make him an old man. Because he does that. It, it takes her a while to get back on her it takes an old time. He lifts her up and she's in ministry mode. I think I like Simon's wife's mother. <laughs> I think I like her. Oyvain, you're so skinny. She's running around, getting you know, slaughtering fish, doing whatever, and taking care of Jesus and the boys. Um, I, I she ministered unto them. What does that mean? It means dinner. And uh, and even when the sun did set, people call this a day in the life of Jesus Christ. He starts out in synagogue. He has dinner with. Uh, you know, at, at uh, uh, Peter and Andrew's house, uh, heals uh, Peter's mother-in-law. And at the end of the day, and at even when sun did set, they brought in him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door and he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. Well, you know, the devil in verse 24 is very orthodox. Did you notice that? People that I talk to don't know that Jesus can destroy devils. They don't know that he's the Holy One of God. But the devil knows it, and his minions know it. So why doesn't, he doesn't say anything here that's untrue in verse 24. Why doesn't Jesus let him speak is going to get more famous, right? He doesn't want that sort of advertisement. He doesn't want hell to speak of him. Um, devils still speak about Jesus, but they rarely ever say anything that's worth hearing. And here he tells them to shut up, and they, he doesn't want that. So he heals many of di- diverse uh, diseases. What are those diseases? <coughs> Meningitis, palsy, cancers, heart disease. I don't know what, the, what they are. Is there anything we can bring to God where God says, I'm stymied, I've never seen this before. Oh my goodness, I don't even know what I'm going to do. It doesn't matter what was brought. It, it, we have a guy who's got no eyes, a guy who's missing a leg, a guy who, you know, a lady who can't stand up straight. You know, we see all through Scripture. Uh, next week we'll talk about him healing, cleansing a leper. Impossible impossible not for Jesus he he does i think we don't see much these days and i don't think we ask much of him every week i say anyone needs prayer and i wouldn't miss an opportunity to get prayed over i i, I shouldn't say that i mean i've missed many opportunities but i think like and i don't don't think i don't pray But I, uh, listen, I won't say too much. Um, So he heals, and this is at at, at even when the sun did set. What time is that? We don't know what time of year. Let's just say seven-ish, okay? How long does it take to heal all these people? The whole city was gathered together at the door. You know what I mean? He could have taken a second, but I think he spends time with each person. Now, is this uh, is this midnight? Is this one? Is this two in the morning? I have no idea. He healed many that were sick, uh, however long that took. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, how long did he sleep that night? Two hours? Three hours? Four hours? Not a whole long time. I mean, if you just do all the math. what What the, What the... What the Maybe it's dark at 7 at night. Maybe it's uh, sunrise, it's the equinox, so it's 7 in the morning. So he's up at 5, 4? I, I, I don't know. Is he working, is he working to 2 in the morning? Is he up at 4 or 5? So he's got 2 or 3 hours of sleep. I don't know. I have the idea, and re- the reason I'm drilling down on this is because in the morning rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed in a solitary place and there prayed. He's ministering. He's pouring out. He's giving. He's He needs to be refueled. I think, you know, I, I can easily see see this happen. I can see it happen in my own life. I pour out. And i got to spend time to get my batteries recharged. And the only place w- to do that is with God. Now if I have a failing, and I have many, but if I have a major failing, it's prayer. I don't now, if I told you I didn't pray, you'd say, "I don't believe that. I hope you don't. If you told me you didn't pray, I wouldn't believe it. but I don't pray like I should. I pray for you uh you 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 must know that, but I don't pray as often as I should, as desperate as i should is and I think prayer is essential. I think that time with God is so key. There's no what is he what does he, he just hate sleep? Oh, he loves the father more than he loves sleep more than he loves himself. Do you have to rise up a great while before day? I don't think the key is way early in the morning. I think the key is spending time with God, and if he's all day long people are coming to him needing ministry. This is the only time he's got alone. He gets up early and he goes and he goes to a solitary place why cuz he doesn't want distractions and then he just prays he pours out his heart to god and god pours his blessing and time with god is restorative it's it's i say recharging our batteries and we all understand what that means and simon and they that were with him followed after him the they're playing hide-and-seek, right? It's it's close to the Sea of Galilee. They look in that direction see that he wasn't there, and they go off in the other direction and find him pretty early on in this, in this. When they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek it for thee. Now I go back between all men seeking for Jesus and nobody seeking for Jesus. Let me explain that. But in a minute. He said unto them, Let us go into the next town that I may preach there also. For then... For, therefore, came I forth. Does he know what he's all about? Does he know what? That's what time with God does. It, It. We get our marching orders. Prayer. If you think it's us getting our way with God, I'm here to tell you I don't think it is. I think it's spend time with God finding out what it is that he wants us to do. And I think that's what verse 38 is telling us. He preached in his synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. Now let's go back to verse 37. All men seek after thee. I think that all men are still seeking after Jesus, but they're looking in the wrong places. You say, Adam, I challenge that. I don't think anyone's seeking after him. That's the problem with America. Nobody's seeking after God. And Romans 3 tells us there is none that seek after God. And I would agree with you. Let me put it this way. I think that people are seeking after acceptance. They're seeking after reason. Significance is probably a better way to put it. Acceptance, significance, and destiny. Where do we come from? Which is part of destiny, I think, just the opposite end. Where are we going? What are we supposed to be doing while we're here? These are the big questions that I think philosophy has to answer, or it's not a worthwhile philosophy. Uh, is there a God? Are we what do, how do we how do we get in touch with him? How do we And I don't think people are asking these good questions. But I think everyone wants acceptance. Now, Jesus has the answer to all these questions. So I think we're seeking him in the sense that people are seeking after these things, but they don't know that all these things are found in Jesus Christ. Do we find acceptance in Jesus? (laughs) We have acceptance in the beloved. God accepts us. He loves us. You know, uh, I read a bumper sticker like, uh, you know, you gotta, you got to look after number one. Or, or It's not a bumper sticker so much as people say that. Well, that sounds pretty reasonable. Nobody else is looking after you. you got to take care of yourself. God looks after those who look after themselves, the Bible says. Well, it doesn't say any such thing. Of course it doesn't. Not only does it not say that, the exact opposite is true. God doesn't look after people, who look after themselves. God looks after people who know they need looking after. When we go to God for help, He will help us. We don't go to God because we, we can take care of our own self self. That's the problem. So we're not looking for acceptance. We're looking for acceptance, but we're looking for our term. Look, the way I found out is this God loves me. Therefore I don't have to look out for number one. Or I do, but number one has become God now. Jesus put it this way, love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. You won't love your neighbor as yourself unless you love God with your whole heart, mind, and strength. When you get this relationship figured out in the vertical, then we can have good relationship. Now, I don't have to worry about loving myself. God says, hey, I got that. I got that. Because worrying about myself, I got to take care of myself. I got to take care of my needs. I got to plan this. I got to do that. And God says, I got it. I got it. I got it. Let Daddy drive. I'm all about you, Adam. I love you so much. And people don't know this. People don't understand this about God. You get some angry guy in the sky who's just trying to rain on our fun because of satanic influence. We think dumb things like that. He loves us so much that He gave us His only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have eternal life. God wants to give you eternal life. Okay. He wants to make your life. He wants to let you know, I've accepted you you don't have to try. You don't have to strive. Now, I, I hate religion. If I do these things, God will love me. It's absolutely positively false. God says, I already love you. And you haven't done any of the things. and You surely haven't done them properly. Or haven't done enough of them to make me change my heart about you. I used to hate you, but you went to church and you threw ten bucks in a plate. Now I love you. How ridiculous is that? So God gives us meaning. I mean, God gives us acceptance. God gives us love, and that's all taken care of. What about meaning? What is the purpose of life? Outside of Jesus Christ, as I said, put this on the back burner of your brain, we'll look at it later. Well, now, later has come. Our life has meaning in Christ. Eternal meaning, with eternal rewards or eternal consequences. Our life in Christ, we find our reason to be. Outside of Christ, again, feet planted firmly in air, saying silly things like, he who dies with all the toys wins. That's idiotic, and I think we all know it. Okay? We don't have meaning. We don't have purpose. We don't have blueprints. We don't have, uh, you, you know, you're just a, a, a cosmic mistake. You know, uh, from the goo to the zoo to you. uh, There was a big bang. There's no reason for anything. Now go live your life. You're just a highly evolved animal. Oh, but don't live like an animal. We want you to be other... You know, they say, don't be a racist. And by the way, I would agree. But what's their basis for that? Have you ever thought about their basis for anything? There's no reasoning if there was an explosion, an impersonal expo- explosion. Everything was made out of nothing. Now we have molecules to man, evolution. There's no meaning. But if God created us in his own image, and if now we have meaning. And so he gives us love, he gives us meaning. And ultimately, we spend eternity with him. I think all people are seeking Jesus, but they don't know they're seeking Jesus. They're seeking what he provides, but they don't understand. He's the one who gives all to everyone. He's the one who wants to bless. He's the one who wants to take us to that land of milk and honey. Not pie in the sky, by and by, but right now wants to bless us, wants to lead us in the way that we should go. He wants to give us himself. All right, I, I think I've said enough. Um, I'm going to end here. Let's just, let's just pray. Well, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I would that all men seek you. And I want to be a fisher of men. I want to help them find you. And Lord, my prayer is to save many in these days. I think the time is so short. And I, you know the time. I don't tell you. And Lord, I pray you'd meet this fame spread abroad throughout the region, round about Galilee. Lord, I want your fame to be spread abroad throughout all the region, central Maine. Lord, may this place be a beacon where your name is worshiped and praised, where your will is sought after and then performed, and where you can be glorified in our midst all the time. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace and peace.